This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. When I was growing up, my dream was to become the next Jack Buck the great baseball announcer for the St. Louis Cardinals, but that didn't work out too well because he had a son named Joe who took over that job and eventually became a baseball and football announcer for Fox. Uh, not that I would have taken over his job anyway, even if he didn't have a son. But you do have the radio yeah, voice, that's maybe for so. sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of Jack Buck's greatest calls was a home run by Kurt Gibson in game one of the 1988 World Series, and Gibson played for the Dodgers, not the Cardinals, and, and he didn't start that game because he had injuries to both legs, but he came in to pinch hit in the bottom of the ninth. I mean, the guy couldn't even walk. There's two outs, the Dodgers are down by one, and a runner at first base, and Jack Buck's call of, of uh, Kirk Gibson's game-winning homer is legendary. I mean, Vin Scully is the legendary announcer for the Dodgers, but uh, Jack Buck was on national TV, and he capped it off by saying, I don't believe what I just saw. I don't believe what I just saw. <laughs> and pretty good, huh, Dave? Yeah, that's, it's that, really that's good. My, that's my best Jack Buck. Well, honestly, we come home from a lot of fly fishing trips saying the same thing. I don't believe what I just saw. And those moments are usually not dramatic. Uh, some of them are, are funny. Some make us laugh, shake our heads. Maybe they could make us cry if we had any <laughs> sense. Well, recently we took a trip to the Wisconsin and Minnesota Driftless, and we, we saw a handful of crazy things that we thought we'd, uh, we'd talk about today. Well, it all started the first night. Uh, we taking this trip to the Minnesota Driftless. We thought we'd hit a couple streams on the Wisconsin side of the Driftless before... We uh, got to Minnesota. We have fished this creek for about six years or so, and it's a spring creek. And as you know, with spring creeks, you have that even flow. It's not like a freestone river right. where there's floods in the spring yep. and there's a high, clear high water mark. Right. And it's it never changes. Flows. Yeah. yeah, the spring creeks uh, never uh, change or rarely change. It's also why I think technically they're more difficult to fish. Mm -hmm. And we've, we've talked about that so many times So we had fished this Creek again for about six years and we get to the Creek and we, we're like, is this the same Creek? And, and we started asking ourselves now, it looks like there's been some bulldozers here moving some things around yeah. and there were some deep cuts in the banks. And it, it appeared like there had been a flood, but then it looked like there were some tracks from some bulldozers. And mm -hmm. a lot of the runs were gone. Like that initial run when you walk up was gone. And, and there were new runs that were in their places. And even the deep banks um, that had been restored by like Trout Unlimited, some of the conservation groups, they were gone. Yeah. And we were thinking, really? You think the farmer was allowed to make this kind of big changes to this creek? And it was, and it just yeah. wasn't one run. It was no, up and down the, the creek. So again, this was a spring creek, not a freestone river. You'd expect this on yeah. the Yellowstone. Mm -hmm. I remember going to the Yellowstone once, fishing in the spring, right after the runoff. Actually, it was it was in the fall. But looking at where the high water mark, it was one of those years in which the you know the Yellowstone had flooded its yeah. banks. Mm -hmm. And you see these deep cuts in the banks where the water had gushed through, and that's exactly what this looked right. like. Right, and you say, well, that just doesn't happen on a spring creek. 
So you you actually afterwards ended up calling someone. Didn't yeah, you? we we kind of forgot about it because we got into Minnesota and got some good fishing. But a few days later, I just kind of on a whim, I called the fly shop in in Viroqua, uh, Wisconsin, the Driftless Angler, and and asked him, hey, what's what's going on over there? And and it turns out that last fall, the area had 14 inches of rain. I, I said, wait a minute, how many? He said, 14 inches of rain in a short window of time. And there was major flooding. And th there was nowhere for that water to go. The ground was saturated. So it, it acted like what happens in a freestone river in the spring with snow runoff. And, and it just went through there. There was major flooding and and uh, wow, it, it changed things. Uh, the fly shop owner said that the fishery is fine, the bugs are, are there, but the landowners are the ones who took the major hit. Well, you said it, and you know this better than I do, having lived in Paradise Valley, but you said it looks like the Yellowstone after a major flood. Yeah, you know? yeah, and it really did. It really did. And I don't think, what did you catch that mm -hmm. night? I think you caught one, right? Yeah, I caught one brown. I had a couple was, strikes, but yeah. I don't think I actually netted one. Right. It, it seemed it seemed harder. There were some really deep runs along some of these new banks, yeah. mm -hmm. but um, I, I didn't see. Was there anything? Yeah. Was there any? Were there any flies on the water that night? I don't even remember. Yeah, if there, there weren't. Any... There were a few, but not not very many. I was kind of surprised because sometimes in May we've had more bugs on the water, but yeah, I, I walked away from that that night. And remember what I said to you, Dave? I don't believe what I just saw. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, but that was hardly the most interesting thing. So th the next morning, I think one of the funnier things that I saw, we, we are, we're staying in this little uh, hotel in Preston, Minnesota, the country trails in, and we had actually walked out the, the door to, uh, to the SUV, and Dave says, oh, I forgot to get my Minnesota license. So I said, fine. So he went back in, and you got in your laptop, or I thought you were going to get in your laptop and you were going to get your license online. And, and I'm thinking, well, you have to print these off. But I assume, okay, Dave's just going to screenshot something with his cell phone. So I'm sitting in the, uh, in the little breakfast area, which is just, just uh, kind of off of the, the main little lobby area where the front desk is. And, and I'm sitting there, and it had been a little while. And I thought, well, I'll go out and see how Dave's coming along. And I walk out. And I'll never forget this sight. Here is Dave standing <laughs> behind the desk of the Country Trails Inn uh, behind the computer. And I, I thought, what in the world? You know, did, <clears throat> did he need money to pay for his fishing license? So he's now working for Country Trails. But he's, he actually asked them if he could use a, hey, do you have a printer I could use to run off print my license? And they said, yeah, just use the one behind the desk. But, I mean, you had to be there to see it. We actually ran a picture on Instagram, didn't we? Oh, yeah. yeah. It was funny. You know, I was, I thought, oh, shoot, I should have gotten this license. And I, it's one of those things where you ask and you shall receive, yeah. as, mm -hmm. as my dad always says. And, um, and sure enough, so I just said, hey, I just need to print this yeah. off. Are you okay with that? And, and I said, fine. Yeah. But that wasn't the funniest no. thing. So <laughs> then I sit down in a chair in the, the lobby and uh, the breakfast area is right behind me. So Dave comes waltzing out from behind the, the desk with his fishing license. He says, hey, I'm just going to go in and fold this. Okay, fine. So he goes in, and about 15 seconds later, I hear him say, oh, I am so sorry. I didn't see you. Well, it turns out there are about 12 tables in this breakfast area. Dave picked the only one where someone was sitting and watching TV. 
And he didn't even see her. And, and her face is about a foot away when he looks up. And here's this woman who's trying to watch television. And there's Dave. Lean over. I'm leaning over. over, blocking the side of the TV. Signing my license. Yes. But she didn't even say anything. She was very polite, wasn't she? <laughs> it was the rudest thing I have ever I done in my life. Oh, oh sorry. But she was gracious. What, what did she say? Something like, oh, no problem. Oh, oh she or, said something like, yeah, well, a lot of people don't take notice of me or something like that. Yeah. It made me feel yeah, even then, worse. Then you really feel bad. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, but my it, goodness. I, I think I was like like four or five inches from her face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was yeah. so bad. Oh, I just did not see her. That was hilarious. At least it was to oh, us. Man. I don't know. She probably shook her head and I know it rolled her eyes and oh man you know. we, we've laughed so hard over that ever yeah it was hilarious then. oh goodness well the the next uh, crazy thing we saw was was crazy on another different uh, a couple different levels um, uh, we were out this was we were at after a really great day on Canfield Creek we were in the Forestville Mystery Cave State Park you probably shouldn't even tell where we go or else you know some people will fish. Well, that. You've, you've left. You've done it now. Dave. Yeah, the cats out of the bag. There are so many streams yeah. in the Minnesota yeah. Driftless. My goodness. Oh, I know. You you could fish every yeah. one, and, and mm -hmm. you have a lifetime still to fish. Yeah. But anyway, we're coming back. And we had a great day. Yeah, we did. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit in another one of our podcasts. But so we're coming back. It's dark, so it's it's just yeah. a little bit past dusk, and and we're coming up on this little, uh, we're just coming out of the area where you, of the park itself, and we're on the highway. Hmm. There's two, about two deer ran out in front of this Honda Pilot. Now this Pilot was not my Honda Pilot, but it was Steve's. Not even mine. Not yeah. even Steve's. It was his son-in-law's. <laughs> so Steve's driving, which I'm so glad. So Steve missed the first two deer. Oh, it but happened the, so fast. But yeah. the second, or it's actually the third, ran into the front fender and did yeah. some really serious damage oh man that and what what do you think i was i was going 60 but then we were going up this hill but i was still close to 60 and all of a sudden there's a deer and i i just know i, I was taught early on you don't swerve for animals i just i tromped on the brakes good i missed the first deer and all of a sudden I, you know my peripheral vision here comes another deer just tearing out of that borrow pit and it ran into the side. In fact, I thought it ran into the, it all happened so fast. I thought it ran into the rear of, of uh, well, the driver's side. I remember you're saying, oh, that, that wasn't so bad. And in my head, I thought that was bad because I, you were driving. So you were yeah. much more uh, focused on driving. Yeah. I saw the two deer on the right that went yeah. on the other side. And I thought, uh, Steve's in denial. This was bad. This was she, oh, I, that deer hit really hard. I remember hitting a deer. Well, another deer that hit me really hard in Montana that that uh, kind of bounced off and jumped up. So I thought, well, you know, maybe that happened. Maybe it, yeah, maybe the damage wasn't that bad. So I remember that night I got out and and, and I looked at the back of the car. I was like, oh man, you know, n nothing. There's this smear mark. And then you you would walk around the front. and You go, uh oh, I'm like. Oh no! There's the front fender. There's the the headlight assembly, which must cost nine million dollars to replace. That was oh, busted. It was, and we didn't. We weren't even able to see it until we got no. back to the to the hotel. Remember no, that? It was so dark. We weren't going to stop alongside the road and get rear-ended or something. 
In fact, do you remember this, Dave? I had said that night on the creek, hey, this would be a great evening to see some deer. <laughs> well, I, I meant on the creek, not on the highway. So did you get an estimate on that already? You know what? My son-in-law is taking that in uh, two days from now. Two days from when we're recording the podcast. Uh, so, yeah, we don't know what it'll be, but uh, I've, I've already apologized and, and I'll so pay what, the deductible. So what sort and, of, uh, what do we have to do to uh, for forgiveness? Well, here's, here's the deal. Uh, you know, this Honda Pilot hasn't worked out quite as well as they'd like. And, and my daughter, her first comment was, oh, I hope it's totaled. <laughs> I'm glad you're okay, but I hope it's totaled. No, it's not going to be totaled. And I said, well, thanks. At we least should, you could we have, have totaled a little, it. We should have a little bet on I think it's probably four or $5,000 worth of damage. Yeah, I think? wouldn't be surprised. It's probably four. Yeah. yeah. I'll say four, you say five. Okay, I'll we'll, say five. We'll see what happens. All right. Maybe maybe that'll be our great stuff from our listeners on one of these episodes. <laughs> so, wow, stay tuned. Some good things coming up. But, yeah, that was definitely one of those... Uh, uh, wow, those crazy things that you just don't expect to happen. No. no. And it also changes the expense of the trip. Yeah, yeah, it sure <laughs> did. Sure did. Wow. Well, here's another one. I don't, I'm not sure this is a crazy thing. It's just an abnormal thing. Yeah. But we put it under this this rubric or created this taxonomy of crazy things. Wow, those are big words. They are Dave. big, big rubric words. taxonomy. I don't believe what I just heard. <laughs> <laughs> I looked those up before I uh, did the podcast. Yeah. Um, but as long as we fished this area near Preston, uh, Minnesota, and we fished multiple streams around Preston, there's just so many uh, little Spring Creek fisheries. But um, in Canfield, well, actually, it's in Forestville Mystery Cave State Park. By the way, the Mystery Cave is not in the state park. At least it's not there. No, there is a cave, there is though, a cave, where the Canfield yeah. Creek comes out of. We always thought that was the Mystery Cave. No, nope, it's turns not. Out yeah. it's not. It's in a different, it's like three or four miles away. I think it's a yeah. ways away. But anyway, as long as we fish there, uh, we always typically walk across the south branch of the Root River to fish Canfield Creek. Now, the South Branch of the Root River is, is actually a, a pretty big river. It reminds me, actually, yeah. of some of the, the rivers out in Montana. Mm -hmm. But it's always stained. I mean, yeah. it's, always, it's always muddy. Uh, you've always used that phrase, chocolate milk. It, it's really always perpetually yeah. that. That day, though, when we fished, um, and this is obviously not a Jack Buck moment, like uh, calling the Kirk Gibson home yeah. run, but the root was almost crystal clear yeah, it was i can't believe it and i'm not sure why but oh. it was unbelievable and right i i decided we often yeah, don't we, fish that much right do but we? we stopped to fish it a little bit and, yeah i caught a I, really nice brown on the surface yeah, really yeah, nice yeah, yeah, brown, yeah right near that little footbridge yep yeah. right that middle that crosses Man. the crosses a the creek there's actually some a lot of people just fish the south branch of the route and it's a nice deeper river some really deep runs yeah, Canfield Creek is much, much smaller, and it's it's definitely a small yeah. creek fishery. Whereas, whereas the Root River, the South Branch of the Root River, really is a great is a great fishery. Yep, really is a great fishery. Sure is. Well, I, I guess if there's a takeaway from all of this, it's this that your next fly fishing trip may be drama free, and we hope it is. But we 
But we guarantee that you'll return from most fly fishing trips not believing some of the crazy things that you've seen. And hey, we encourage you to write those down. Uh, we have those uh, written down because we, we do the podcast, but I always, I, I always put those in a journal. I bet my journal is probably 50% uh, uh, stories from our, our fly fishing adventures because I don't want to forget those. And, and uh, we, hey, we don't want to exaggerate either. So that, that's how you can be sure that, we yeah, that we're honest. That <laughs> as, as long as we don't exaggerate when we write these things down... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we'll go back a decade or so and look at those, and, and that, that brings up some, some good memories and, and a lot of laughter, and that's, that's all part of it. I, I do have to mention the one crazy thing that I remember from one of our Montana trips. Remember when we were fishing, um, what was that stream, and you had to go back and get your fly rod because you had forgotten Oh, it. yeah, Fan Creek. Fan yep. Creek, and we mm-hmm. ran across that mil- ex-military guy who... Uh, wasn't happy with our pace in the woods and grunted and and passed us up and and, and ended up fishing in the spot that we had planned to fish yeah. right and of course we didn't bother him because you know oh no he looked like he was ex-military no, we are he, not ex-military he, so he was on a mission and <laughs> he was yeah, on a mission that's right crazy things i Remember, we walked in. We'd walked in what almost a mile, wasn't it? Yeah, it was at least a mile. And there were some people that were coming toward us, so we stepped off the trail. So at that point, we step off the trail, and I kind of looked down and like, I don't know, what did I do with my rod? Well, I, I had left it on the top of our SUV. <laughs> like, how could I do that? Yeah, how could I not know that? Well, so I, I yeah. waited there. I did not walk yeah. back with you. Right. And then our uh, ex, uh, whatever he was, man, he looked like Ex-military. A, yeah, he did. He Man, he came charging by, and we, we said hello to him. He, he I don't even know that no, he... No, he grunted. He there was grunted, no response, yeah. Was... And fortunately, your rod was still on top of your... Uh, yeah. And it was in a oh, parking lot where there were other fly fishers. Yeah, it was. It was, yeah. that was crazy. Well, time for great stuff from our listeners. Here's a couple comments. The first is from our friend Duane, a veteran fly fisher from Oregon. He made this comment to our post on Fly Fishing Entomology 101, Caddis Flies. This is what Duane said. One nice June day on one of, our, one of Oregon's premier streams, I did very well with an elk hair caddis, number 10, with a red body. Go figure what set these nice trout to take such a strange color. <laughs> Notice how big that caddis is, yeah, too. Yeah, that's a, a big caddis. 10. That's I a know. big caddis. Yeah. Well, what we want to know, Duane, is, is why did you uh, have an elk hair caddis with a red body? Because I know you tie your flies. <laughs> Actually, that's smart, though. You, you never know. And I, I've used humpy patterns that are yellow, that are green, or sometimes even red. So, but, but that's funny. You don't think of an elk hair caddis with a red body. You think of tan or black or, or green or something. But. Was that Bob Jacklin or Bud Lilly who used to talk about getting as big a fly as you could get and slinging that in the fall mm-hmm. after some of those fish? Who was that? Yeah, that used one to of those talk guys. About that? I yeah. can't remember something that. Something big and floating and ugly. Yeah. And you never know what's going to grab that thing. No, you really don't. Well, here's another email from a listener named Chad, and this is what he wrote. Guys, a quick note from India. Yes, India. For quite a while, I prided myself on being your most remote listener. I work in our embassy here in what is one of the world's largest and most polluted cities, though in the shadow of the mighty Himalayan range, which I visited many times. 
There are trout in the high mountain rivers here, but the fishing is, well, different, perhaps less relaxing than we might be used to. I was raised in northern Minnesota, but came to fly fishing in my 20s in Utah. I now own a small, modest place on the Henry's Fork of the Snake outside of Ashton that I go in the summers with my family. I just wanted to thank you for your podcast. It's meant so much to me over the past few years. I will continue to be an avid listener for as long as you chose to dedicate your time to telling your stories and offering your advice. Uh, Best regards, Chad. Well, then uh, you responded to him, Dave, and yeah, he, he replied about fly fishing in India. Why don't you read that reply? Well, I asked him. I asked him if he could. He had any stories. He, and this is what he said. He said, "Quote: India is such an ancient place. I sometimes feel as if there's so there's almost too much history here. When the British were more active on the subcontinent, both under the British East India Company and in later years as a crown colony, they brought with them many traditions. One of them was fishing, and it is said they stocked the first trout." in the Himalayan rivers. Wow, I didn't know that. He goes on. I've spent a lot of time in the Himalayas in my time here. Last fall, I decided to sneak away for a long weekend and brought along my four-piece fly rod to try my hand at a small river uh, that a local friend told me about. About 15 miles up a remote canyon, not too far from Nanda Devi, one of India's most... India's most famous mountains, I was able to catch a few Himalayan brown trout on some smaller caddis and ant patterns. The fishing was enjoyable, but the funny part came later as I drove my motorcycle up to a remote village at the top of the canyon. As I settled in at my modest guest house to watch the sunset over the mountains and enjoy some of the all too rare quiet in a country of 1.3 billion people, I began to notice a familiar odor. It was... (laughs) (laughs) It was only then that I realized I was essentially surrounded by marijuana plants. What? (laughs) And the village I was staying in was a famous place on the backpacker hippie trail for the more, quote, free-spirited, unquote. Needless to say, it was an interesting few days for an American fly fisherman and the dozens of European and Israeli backpackers, all of whom were relaxing in the mountains in their own way. Oh, my word. That oh, good night. Great... Man, he woke up and thought he was in Colorado, huh? <laughs> and I, I said to him, I replied to him, I said, yeah, you pr-, he said, you, you told me how big your fish were, but are you sure you, you know, you weren't, you know, smoking Man. something else or, or actually... Wow. <laughs> That is crazy. Wow. What, Are what a you sure story. the fish were that big? Man, what a story. Well, we do. We love getting your, your stories and your, your feedback. So, yeah, please keep those coming. All right. Our final segment in today's podcast is Hook Set. We're going to set the proverbial hook and wrap up our podcast by sharing a quote. And today's quote comes from Allison Moore Smith. And I love her description of trying to choose the right fly. This is what she says. I look into my fly box and think about all the elements I should consider in choosing the perfect fly. Water temperature, what stage of development bugs are in, what the fish are eating right now. Then I remember what a guide told me. 90% of what a trout eats is brown and fuzzy and about five-eighths of an inch long. End of quote. (laughs) Oh, that is so true. (laughs) Yeah, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. Say that again. 90% uh, of what a trout eats is, is brown, brown and, and fuzzy and about five-eighths <laughs> of an inch long. Oh, Don't I, overthink it. Man, no kidding. <laughs> that that's, is great. That's the lesson. That Don't overthink classic. it. And you're right. You know, brown fuzzy, about five-eighths of an inch long, and you know, as long as you have a hook in it, and 
Yeah, size can matter, but man, you can catch a lot of fish. Yeah, that's oh, great. Oh, that is good. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. <laughs>